Hello. Hey. So I got in my car yesterday. All right. And I reach up to adjust the mirrors because my husband and I are very different heights, as you Mm. know. And what I see is an image that I'm going to send to you now. All right. I have texted it to you. Here it is. Loading. Why (laughs) why is this here? Would you like to describe to our audience what you're looking at? I'm looking at a naked man who's covering his area with his hand. He's got it. He's like bearded, kind of pot belly. He's laying on mm-hmm. a bear rug. He's got a digital <laughs> watch on, balding. <laughs> I love the digital watch. It's a good touch. What? So yeah, I what? found this with no explanation. And I just was like, Kyle's friend must have just put this up here like as a joke or something. <laughs> But I love it so much, and I love just driving around with it and parking in places and just imagining people like seeing it and being yeah. like, look at this dirty bird here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but listeners, it actually is a photo of Bert Kreischer. Kreischer? Yeah, Kreischer. Can't say his name. Uh, comedian. Ah, okay. And uh, some of Kyle's friends went to a show of his, and apparently that was the merch he was selling was a, a coaster <laughs> of his nude body. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I didn't recognize him either, I guess, but that makes more sense. (laughs) (laughs) I I really enjoy it. I'm not taking it down. So the next time you get in my car, just enjoy. That's, yeah, that's fine. And to be fair, you're probably not going to get too much judgment from people. I don't don't notice what people have in their cars when they're parked. I, I don't study them too much. No, I'm more of a bumper sticker judger. Yeah, I do look at bumper stickers, but... Or like, yeah. the, you know, the stickers on the, on like the glass pane or whatever. Yeah. Decals. Stick figure families. Bleh. Oh, source. Listeners, if you've got one, it's okay. It's all right. Which one's worse? Stick figure families or zombie ones? Like, oh, look, I'm so clever. I like flipped the script. Oh, those are, pr- those are better. Those are better than stick figure families. They're better, but I still think families. they're cheesy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> What's with the deer one? Like, you know, that one, I mean, we live in Texas, so these mm-hmm. are everywhere, but like, it's like a stag and it's like this like kind of abstract line work. Is that just like a hunting brand? A stag with it. Can you Google this? I don't know. Like- <laughs> I'm going to try. Deer bumper sticker. Yeah. And sometimes they're in a heart because it's like a boy deer and a girl deer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Browning. Browning bookmark. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's like a gun. Uh manufacturer aren't they browning browning rifles oh probably but it's from browning which is yeah it's gun yeah so it's browning the gun manufacturer yep this just means they like hunting either just hunting hunting rifles or guns in particular (laughs) guns in general rather (laughs) i don't like the marathon ones because for a long time you know like the 13.1 yeah okay yeah i thought that was like a weird radio station (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which shows you how much i know about exercise what radio system are they listening to man i need to <laughs> i don't know i can't even get 13.1 <laughs> it's exclusive all right you want to get started yeah. that was that was car talk <laughs> this is a car podcast now uh yes. yeah let's get started all right what are we talking about this week well today i figured we could do a little lesson on something that is near and dear to the hearts of every good american that is small businesses oh good everyone has one of these right everyone has one everyone loves them Mm -hmm. they're great they're the best right i mean that's that's the prevailing (laughs) 
uh, sentiment, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. We're doing this. This should drop actually on Thanksgiving if we are diligent. And um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of posts going around saying shop small this year. Don't give Amazon any more money, which like, that sounds good. I, sure. I don't like Amazon getting more money. Right. So so what's the problem? What's the, Okay, so yeah, we kind of wanted to break this down <laughs> and talk about like, kinda, like you said, what's the problem with that approach? Mm-hmm. Is there a problem with it? Uh, what's up with small businesses in the first place? Like, why are they so mm, prevalent or why are they so kind of, uh, held up as the, mm-hmm. as superior, uh, to other yeah, types emphasized, of emphasized like culturally. Yeah. There you go. So let's jump into it. Okay. With small businesses, I guess it's a good starting point to get kind of a definition. Sure. What we're talking about here. It doesn't have to be like as small as just like one person, you know, or, or, a, or a lemonade stand. We're not talking necessarily that small. <laughs> small businesses as a definition, it, the definition kind of varies. In the United States, typically, the country looks at it in terms of businesses that are 500 employees or smaller. That's still pretty big. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and then worldwide, at least the statistics that I was looking at, uh, their their particular measurement was uh, at fewer than 300 people. Okay. So a little smaller. It's still big to me, but I'm also the one that has to figure out my taxes next year because technically I'm a small business now. Oh, here <laughs> we go. A little self-critique. Never heard anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm writing a fucking book. Well, okay? look, if you're in a <laughs> podcast with multiple people, if you don't run a business, someone there is probably running one, right? That's true. Uh, it's pretty prevalent, actually. So this is pulled from the, this is kind of weird that we have this, the uh, U.S. Small Business Administration. Okay. This is a government, this is a cabinet level agency in the federal government. Damn. The Small Business Administration. Uh, it's been around since 1953. Their whole deal is to like provide resources and kind of help small businesses navigate through starting, you know, and then being a bit, I don't know how that, that's probably complicated. Doing all that stuff, (laughs) that's what they're there to help people do, I guess. So I pulled the data from them and they say that there's there's 60.6 million workers in the United States employed by 31.7 million small businesses. That's a lot. Yeah. I never remember the U.S. population, though, so I don't actually So it's like 329, 330 million people. Okay. But that's, you know, if you're wondering, like, percentage-wise, small businesses are a whopping 99.9% of U.S. businesses. That does not seem right to me. Well, the other, you know, the big ones, there are fewer of them employing a ton of people. So... Is it because... Like businesses merge so much mm-hmm. and like there's so many subsidiaries. So it's like, oh, actually they're owned by somebody else. Yeah. So when you look at the, uh. the other part of it, you know, they're 99% of the businesses. They employ only 47.1% of workers because they're so <laughs> small, God. right? Like that, you know. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're ubiquitous, but they're not necessarily employing everyone. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah. Um, worldwide, there are some 315 million Small businesses, they call them something different. At least this is from pulled from the World Bank data. They, it's like our favorite organization, right? Oh, yeah. I love the World Bank. <laughs> it's my favorite criminal enterprise. <laughs> the, the, uh, they call it MSME, Micro, Small, and Medium Enterprises. Okay. Whatever. They, uh, <laughs> 315 million worldwide. 
That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot more than I thought. I Me mean, too. Yeah. I thought it, I thought that maybe they would be 60, 70% of businesses. Yeah. I was thinking of that range too. But yeah. I mean, that explains why you are also a small business proprietor now. <laughs> You've joined their ranks. It was inevitable, you know. One of us had to, statistically speaking. Yes, I, <laughs> I guess, yeah, right? Ugh. So n- seeing kind of the scale of it and everything, we want to kind of get into why are small businesses seen as so central to and so important to and so, what do you say, like kind of esteemed or or praised? Definitely, yeah. In capitalist societies, particularly in the United States, but maybe in other places too, I'm not sure. If, you know, Europe has kind of the same attitude toward it or really anywhere (laughs) where capitalism is. Yeah. If they're so like, oh, small business, it's great. (laughs) Yeah, it's super prevalent here in the States. Like there is a lot of like pressure to support them. And like there's a lot of shaming if you don't like it's it's a weird kind of ecosystem. You mean like where you were saying, oh, don't give money to Amazon, that sort of thing. Or like, yes, buying at Walmart, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Or even like chain restaurants. It's like, no, you should definitely eat at a local restaurant, which I definitely tried to do because I like our local restaurants. Why? Um, I, was, I was thinking about this. I, I think that peop- there are several mm, kind of reasons people give for why they like small businesses, why they prefer them over big corporations, right? Mm-hmm. On an individual level. And I guess we can take a look at that first. In, you know, why do, why do people seem to prefer this? Because I think that the way that people express that actually gives you a clue as, and it's not, I don't think it's conscious for most people, but it's a clue at some sort of a critique they have of capitalism or or like more corporate culture. They don't, they might Mm -hmm. not realize they have this critique, but I think that's kind of a way that they express it. Okay. Example. Example would be uh, kind of making, uh, feeling a more personal connection with your local place, right? For sure. I definitely do. I have my tortilleria I go to every week. Yeah. You know the people who work there. You know, you have a conversation, catch up with them and everything. You know, sometimes you want to go where everyone knows your name. <laughs> what is that? You know, what's the what's the flip side to that? What's the critique of the opposite of that would be? Well, when you go to like a bigger corporate place, they are under a lot of pressure, like time wise, usually like they have quotas and they have like... You know, like if you're a cashier or something, like you can be measured on your performance, but like how quickly you check someone out. Mm, Yeah. So you don't have as many opportunities to like personalize, you know, interactions with people. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to get them out the door. Yeah. You're just a customer to them. You're a faceless customer Uh, to you as a customer. They're kind of a faceless employee. There's no personal connection. And especially like, you know, and that's just talking retail, like big box sort of thing or something. Right. But especially, I mean, how much personal connection do you have to Amazon when you order something? (laughs) Literally none. (laughs) Yeah. Or like to Apple when you get the newest iPhone or, or Google or anything like, you know, especially the big tech companies, nothing. There's nothing there. So I think that people are kind of expressing their kind of anxiety about that sort of like lack of interpersonal connection. What I think is interesting about that, just like from a graphic design and branding background perspective, is that those bigger companies try to sell themselves on personal connection. Like if you think about Apple commercials, they're known for being really like, 
kind of cutting edge and funky and they're like look how unique we are and mm-hmm. like that's their whole thing and like basically all tech companies try to do that and it's funny because it's like they actually have no personal interaction with people whatsoever like they don't give a shit how unique you are yeah so they're kind of subbing in a little bit there so they have anything <laughs> at all yeah uh here's here's another critique people offer or another sorry another reason why people say oh i shop small business because the profits will stay there with owners who oftentimes are working in those businesses. Yes. Right. So it's rewarding someone who is like local visibly working. Yeah. They're local and they're working hard to get that money. Well, what's the Mm -hmm. opposite of that? What are they trying to oppose by doing that? The idea of supporting like a giant CEO, I guess. Just just Jeff Bezos. (laughs) So the CEO who's sitting in the boardroom doing nothing who we all, you know, mm-hmm. the account executives who we all know are, are just kind of whining and dining and doing nothing. The uh, the people, the philanthropists or whatever, who sit on these various boards and do nothing. Everyone's <laughs> drawn a check just because of who they know, who their nephew is or whatever. They realize that the higher ups are doing less work to get more money. I mean, they get basically that it's not fair, right? The workers are getting That's screwed. interesting. I feel like a lot of people try to do both. Like, I feel like a lot of people will say, I support small businesses, but then also turn around and defend, like, executive positions as like, oh, they, they're job creators, they worked really hard. Like, I think there is, at least in the States, this, there's this personalization or attempted personalization of mm-hmm. those big companies. Like, you know, oh, they wrote a book, look how... Like they, they tell their stories, yeah. you know, like everyone, for some reason, a bunch of people on the internet know about fucking Elon Musk's backstory. Like, I don't yeah. give a shit. <laughs> huh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. So maybe the, you know, the, the Titans at the very top have done a good enough mm-hmm. kind of PR job to convince people that they do something worthwhile, but maybe your executive vice president would fit into this like category of just somebody, right? Yeah, because the CEO types, they're more like celebrities mm-hmm. now, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. What I mean is like, they're like, oh, this owner is visibly working. And maybe for the for the Musks and the Bezoses and everything, they're visibly working by being a celebrity. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're not actually. <laughs> whereas everyone else is, you know, just kind of like playing golf and getting money, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's one that's one that people feel is that there's something unfair. I think people assume that because they're working in the small business, like the owner is going to treat their employees better or something, Mm -hmm. or that like the employees get a bigger cut because like, you know, in corporations, like you have a lot of overhead when like the opposite is probably true. Like I have worked in a small place versus a big place and the big place has a lot more money. (laughs) Yeah. The big place that like pays a lot more money or what do you Yeah, they pay, they pay a lot more. I mean, at least in my experience. Well, what? Someone might say, oh, but the executives make, there's a bigger gap, right, percentage-wise between what they make oh. and what you make. I mean, yeah, but, like, there was such a big gap between <laughs> between my salary at the first place and the second one. I mean, like, I know my boss there at the first place is doing pretty well. Like, I, I'd seen their house is pretty good, so. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would say to that. No, but I... I don't know if it's a fair criticism in most cases or if it varies. So, I will say, I mean, in design studios, at least, a smaller studio will work you much harder because there's fewer of you and you don't have the resources. So in my experience, at least, it's a lot more work for a lot less money. <laughs> that makes sense. And you think that, 
having that kind of smaller, more intimate or whatever, more, uh, you know, environment kind of opens, opens the door for them to expect more of you. Yeah, because it's so personal, like they, they know you so well, and they can just like, <laughs> be up in your business about it. And, you know, it, it has its trade offs, like I've talked about this before, where, where your clients are probably going to be a lot more interesting, you get to work on some cool stuff and maybe win awards. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so much more work because they, they expect that out of you. It's a very, it's like a boutique kind of thing, you know, like it's, it's got to be personal and got to be like really creative. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I was wondering too, in the dynamic, if the, that kind of boutique atmosphere also translates to like the employer employee relationship where like you're, you're more, they're more demanding of you in that way too. Like your more personal relationship. And maybe sometimes they push this as like, Oh, we're a family here, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. That's definitely a common thing in smaller places. They're just, there's a lot more pressure to socialize and like, Mm. it's, it's just weird. Yeah. (laughs) I think so too. All right. Another critique, right? People say, oh, I want to shop small businesses because the money will stay there in the community. Mm, Yes. The company, the owners have more of a stake in the community, in the neighborhood compared to, you know, what's the opposite of that? Oh, oh, okay. So like a corporate corporation buying up plots of land and not giving a shit if it ruins the town, basically. Sure. I mean, development of all sorts, right? They don't really care what happens locally too much. As long as they're no. getting business, right? So people yeah. kind of intuitively realize that multinational corporations are just, you know, it doesn't have to be multinational. Just big chain stuff is extractive from there. Yeah, it's not going to be good for your community. Yeah, all that money and stuff, your local McDonald's or Walmart or whatever, that money, you know, however well they do, it doesn't matter for your community. That money's going somewhere else, right? People, people mm-hmm. understand that that's getting siphoned off. I think, though, they will also, I mean, there's a big convenience argument, too, like, oh, well, they'll have better stuff or whatever. Like, if it's a particular, like, you know, a Walmart or something might have a better mm-hmm. selection or at least more of a selection, I don't know about better, than, like, a smaller grocery store, maybe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm not saying everyone does, you know, everyone does this. Uh, they might realize it, but the trade-off might be better for them mm-hmm. to, you know, and for a lot of people, it's just cheaper yeah to get stuff at these places uh, i'm just saying that when people say oh i prefer small businesses because of that reason mm-hmm. they're kind of implying an understanding that the opposite is true for big businesses right that's true that's really interesting that all of these are like basically anti-capitalist arguments but we just need to push them <laughs> just need to nudge mm-hmm. them over the edge <laughs> Yeah, I think that they're they're onto a kernel of something. Like if someone is saying, oh, you know, well, like a small business, like a small boutique shop of some sort will have kind of a more artisan, more unique mm, yeah. sort of experience. We've definitely talked about that on this podcast, like the idea of craft and the art of everyday things. Yeah, and like, and people see that especially in like, I think especially in like food establishments, like you were saying, eating at kind of a local place instead of a chain restaurant. People... In some ways, sure, sometimes you want the familiar thing that's going to be the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, they I think they also have this pull of like, this pull against this kind of kind of cookie cutter chain thing where 
all of these, re- you know, what Chili's here is the same as in New Hampshire, is in the same as in wherever. Mm-hmm. Not only that it's the same at that restaurant, but that it's turning their neighborhood, their sit, their small town or city into this basically the same place everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mm-hmm. remember when like the first time you went to your neighborhood where you live now, you were like, everything looks the same, like even like architecturally. Yeah, that was creepy. Uh, <laughs> And I was creeped out by it. And then lo and behold, I ended up living there later. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) But no, I mean, what I was getting at here with this little section is that, like we said, there's a little, you know, to get a little bit of it, maybe there's some way we can kind of push them in a different direction besides kind of a personal, kind of a personal approach. Yeah. Can we talk about how some of these arguments don't hold up, though? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I I have a couple big issues whenever people make these preaching statements because they are very preachy and that's one of my issues one of the things is that it kind of villainizes poor people and it talks down to them and like people are saying like like that reddit thread like the people of walmart it's just it's horrifying Mm, that people are so mean to these people who are just poor like it's they're fucking shopping at walmart because it's convenient and they don't make enough money and you should be mad that they're not making enough money (laughs) And they, yeah, and it's a lot of kind of personal attacks or like kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, judging or body shaming and Lots stuff like that. Lots of body shaming. And it's just, you know, it's classist and, you know, they don't have the, their look put together. Dude, they're like getting groceries. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the time. I'm supposed to, yeah, I'm supposed to put together an outfit that looks good for you to take a picture <laughs> of me when I'm buying bread. What? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, I mean, that's a very specific example, but a lot of these, yeah, there's a lot of shaming going on, like, oh, mm-hmm. you're you're stupid if you shop at Walmart or eat at McDonald's and just, like, shitting on these places that, first off, I'm only about fucking all of us have done that. Like, <laughs> I know very few people that are a 100% small business. Like, I don't think I know anyone who is 100%, but even, like, on chain restaurants, like, we've all, we've all just been really hungry and need to get some fries. Yeah, I mean, I think that some people can be, you know, very dedicated, very devout, non-fast food people. Mm-hmm. Good on them. <laughs> but um, no, I think that that's, that's kind of a, a tactic that's part of a larger kind of neoliberal or, or capitalist ideology of making kind of a societal thing into an individual choice thing. Yeah, and like it has a lot of like healthism and stuff in it too. Like the McDonald's argument is really gross to me because it's like assuming that these people one have the funds to go like buy healthy food. Healthy food is expensive and often not there. Like there's food deserts, you know? <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a problem. And also that they have time. Like we've been cooking vegan lately and that's very healthy, but it takes us like fucking twice as long because you have to do a lot more prep whenever you're doing like all veg. Like that's, you have to make it taste good. Why? What do you have to do? It's a lot of like sauces and like, okay, we got to dredge this and, you know, put it in panko. It's just a lot of steps. Is it, so if it's vegan, is it because it's like various animal products that aren't meat that's getting in your way? Like milk and stuff? Um, what do you mean by that? I just mean like this dairy stuff that's getting in your way. Like, oh, we have to make a replacement, whatever. No, no, no. We don't, we don't really fuck with replacement stuff very often. Um, it's more about just like to make vegetables taste good and interesting and variety of textures and stuff. Like you just have to do more to them. Like meat's just going to taste good. (laughs) Like meat and cheese make things taste good really easily. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. But no, I agree with you that, that, that basically this 
singles out people who can't afford to in time or in money mm-hmm. make a different decision that they're making. Yeah. Some of some people can, you know, some people you know are just doing, you know, just kind of like, well, I don't I don't feel like putting out the effort to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you or I could make more business, you know, small business patronizing decisions, yeah, I for guess, sure. if we wanted to. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot to just put on people and say, that's what you need to do. Also, it ties into, I guess, kind of the whether it's useful thing. Like, mm-hmm. why should we be badgering people to do this thing? Is it effective? You know, is it effective? Is it good? Does <laughs> it, it matter good? if we do it? Yeah. Yeah. So like, we'll get into that a little later, I think. But that's another kind of the other side of it is we shouldn't be classist about anything you know, and targeting poor people about anything, but much less targeting them about doing something that doesn't have any necessarily positive effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on in terms of the, in terms of how much import people place on small businesses and stuff, not just at the individual level, but at the zooming out, the societal level. Mm-hmm. Right. So why might it be that the United States as a capitalist society puts so much importance on Small businesses and says, oh, guys, small business. It's great. Why? You know, why? What's the deal? What do they have to gain from that? It makes you part of the system, I think, is the the short answer. It makes you invested in it. It makes you see people as like labor. It makes you want the stock market to do well. Like it it turns you into one of them, basically. It's like a zombie situation. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I have a longer-winded way to put it, but I won't because that's that's the, <laughs> the way to cut through it. Um, is it's a way to co-opt you into either an actual capitalist by being a small business owner, mm-hmm. or it's a way to convince you that you are a potential capitalist. Definitely, you sent me that article. Can we talk about that article? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you sent me this great Jackman article on Shark Tank. And I fucking love Shark Tank, but it is just like, if you want to drink the small business Kool-Aid, that's, that is the home of it is Shark Tank. (laughs) Like everyone is trying to pitch their own stupid fucking idea Mm -hmm. and like. For useless, mostly useless products. Mostly completely useless. Nobody's demanding. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it is kind of addicting. It's like, it's. I love predicting like what's going to get a deal and what's not. And Mm -hmm. it's. All the sharks are, for the most part, terrible people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, no, it's, and it, and it, and it kind of gets you in this mindset of you start seeing things from that perspective, maybe. Yeah, and it sets up this really interesting paradox of, like, they preach a lot in the show about, like, this is the American dream. And I'm like, if the American dream is entrepreneurship and, like, everyone owns a small business, then... How would that work? <laughs> like you couldn't right? actually yeah. do that. You, not everyone can be a small business owner because they don't have any workers. And in addition, isn't it kind of aren't? I, so I don't watch a lot of Shark Tank, but aren't <laughs> most of the situations kind of fucked up? Like, oh, I spend eighty hours a week working on this thing, and my yes. family works on this too, and our house is completely devoted to producing <laughs> this bullshit thing, and we all work our fingers to the bone to do it, and every oh wow, this is the American, yeah. you know what. Great. Like, no, man, I don't want to do that. That's very bad. No, yeah. They either do that or like they used to be an investment banker and then they quit. So they had money. So yeah, (laughs) it's one of those bad things. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good lens of it. I think that uh, 
in general, though, you're right. It tries, to, you know, that is a way, you know, that's one small example of how in general the, the whole glorification of small business is to co-opt everyone into sympathizing with or identifying straight up as the capitalist class, even when they're not. I think even like the kind of Etsy movement and that Mm -hmm. whole idea, taking something like nice that's handcrafted and like should be a wonderful thing. And I think I I do shop at Etsy sometimes into this big corporate structure that like really rips off and fucks over artists, by the way. So careful. Um, (laughs) And also it just commodifies it like, I don't know, like Instagram is basically now a mall. Like they have a Mm -hmm. new update that really has fucked over artists as well. So anyway. Man, I didn't know that. Uh, It's just, there's so much, they've pivoted. So it's all about shopping and video. On Instagram it is? Yeah, there's a shop tab. (laughs) Oh, okay. And it's right where your notification tab used to be. And that's always where I go because I'm a creature of validation. And now I'm always (laughs) looking at products instead accidentally. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it was a truly evil UI decision. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's, you know, I guess another way. The whole thing is right, converting us into, bringing us into their fold. And I guess it makes our appeals as communists, as leftists harder, right? Because when Mm -hmm. we are making these appeals to people, they can say, you know, oh, when the communists, when the anarchists, when the socialists attack capitalism, they're attacking you. They're attacking your neighborhood shop. They're attacking <laughs> your favorite eatery. They're attacking you or what you could be. Yeah. Your dreams, your hopes. They're attacking you. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting just how the idea of the quote unquote American dream are all these people just have they never worked with other people before? Like I I just why do you have to be the one? You know, like everyone sees themselves as their own hero, obviously. But it's like, are you the guy that's going to fucking revolutionize pizza? Like, do we really need another fucking pizza restaurant? You know, like. Yeah. And that's that's hard for me because like I'm an artist. I think I'm unique, but like, whatever. <laughs> it's confusing. Ever Well, I guess maybe there's a couple parts, right? Ever, like you said, everyone just is the protagonist. So mm-hmm. that's normal. And I think there's a strong streak of we can call it cliche kind of rugged individualism or whatever exactly in america this idea of someone breaking the mold and not following the rules but coming out with some you know that's kind of a a trope in hollywood Ugh. and popular culture if someone doesn't follow the rules i'm a big rules person <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm just a lot of the people that break the mold and don't follow the rules also have like sexual harassment claims so like <laughs> it's a concerning parallel well, you know, move fast and break things, even exactly. if those things are people. <laughs> exactly, for sure. Uh, no, it's. I, I think that's just a part of kind of our our culture, and maybe that's uh, maybe that is part of the superstructure to reinforce a base that values this sort of laissez-faire uh, mm-hmm. individualism, you know, and also just atomizing people to keep them from resisting to keep them from getting banding together. The more solidarity you have with people, the more you see yourself as part of a community, the more you're likely to uh, band together with those people and do something to change your society. Yeah. You know, if you think you're all alone, you think you're the guy, you know, you're the one who's gonna, you're not interested in what, what's good for everyone else. That's true. Can we talk about Puritanism? Cause I feel like that's also a big part. We can always talk about Puritanism. <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
Well, I just, I mean, you're talking about the superstructure, and I think there mm-hmm. is this big puritanical thread throughout at least early American history of like you have to work, like the whole, mm. yeah. What is it? Idle hands or devil's playthings? Mm-hmm. Just yeah, there is a very big work culture here. That it is in some way good, not just as the for its products, but that it's a good edi- self-edifying thing. Like it is just good for mm-hmm. you, for your spirit, for your wholeness as a person, right? Yes. So you're you're saying maybe that's part of that's that comes from that sort of reinforcing of capitalism thing? Yeah, I think so. Makes sense. Okay, so we talked about what small businesses are and how society upholds them, mm-hmm. but what do you say to the idea that they are better? Like small businesses are better than big corporations because that sounds like even when I say it out loud, that sounds very obvious. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because it's it's less of the bad stuff, right? Like it's less bad. That's the notion. Um, I mean, I I think that that's kind of valid is to say that sometimes it's less. It has a greater likelihood of being less bad. <laughs> um, I think it depends on how it's structured. So mm-hmm. there are like it it depends, I guess, if it's if it is a normal capitalist enterprise, but just on a small scale, you know, just fewer than you know five hundred employees or whatever. Or if it's like, if it's a worker cooperative, it's in a completely different category. That's like, That's true. actually good. Patronize yeah. those places. That's For sure. a positive thing. They're not very prevalent, so <laughs> it's harder to do. But, you know, sure. But if you're just talking like a business, normal, a normal business with a boss and employees, but just fewer, like, that's not necessarily going to be any better, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, you can go the extreme on that. Like, look at nail salons where people are often like human fucking trafficked and yeah. basically held hostage for immigration reasons. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's someone might counter and say, well, that's actually, you know, that's illegal. So it's not something that should be <laughs> happening in the first place. I'm against that too. Whatever. It still happens. You it know, still happens way small too often. Scale that can kind of fly under the radar too. Mm-hmm. And in general, I think you don't even have to go to that extreme to say that exploitation is really the key when you're looking at whether this is good or bad. And in an employee-employer relationship, when it's got the corporate hierarchy of someone being the boss who's getting, who's paying their workers less than the value they're producing, then you've got exploitation. You know, it doesn't matter if there's only 50 people working at the place. Yeah. You're still not paying those workers as much as you should be because yeah. you're making a profit. And at the end of the day, like, I'm thinking about, I don't know, a local hardware store. It's like, is your idea of a hardware store that innovative that you deserve to take more money from your workers? Like, because, you know, that's often the defense is like, oh, they came up with it. It's their idea. They're job creators. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, the workers are work creators. So, (laughs) yeah. And it's. I think people might say, oh, it's not just that. It's also that they've put forth the capital. They've taken the risk is how they'll put it sometimes mm, yeah, yeah. to do that. And so without any of that there, the workers could not have done, you know, they couldn't have just started this hardware store themselves or whatever, or they may not have done so. And so really it is still the capitalist gets to, you know, reap these profits as the reward for making the risk in the first place. I mean, as the reward for having money, <laughs> you're, you're rewarded with more money when you have money. Yes, yeah, that's ultimately what it comes down to is if you have the money, if you are have the good enough credit to borrow the money, mm-hmm. then you can then you can make more money with it. Yeah, that's yeah. how our society is structured. How <laughs> our economy <bad>. is built. <laughs> it's 
I don't like it. I mean, you could argue that maybe there's a way out in terms of, like we've mentioned before, with worker cooperatives. If you can get workers to kind of, if they can pool their resource to get together and like, in a way, take over their company that way and all run it democratically. I mean, that might be like a soft way to transition to social ownership of of the economy. But mm-hmm. Seems hard. <laughs> sure, we consider, oh, that's that's nice, yeah, but it's hard, and that would be opposed just as vociferously by <laughs> capital, capitalists. So, like, it wouldn't matter too much if you, if you tried to do it the nice way, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we even got, like, a listener email a while back about someone who does try to run their business as ethically as possible, and it sounded really fucking hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because what do you, you know, how are you going to do... How are we going to balance all that Yeah, and still turn a profit? Yeah, yeah. So I would say for sure, like it's the exploitation thing is still probably going to be there in a small business. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, if you're, that's assuming the best of intentions on the small businesses <laughs> part. But like we mentioned before, like you can have a terrible boss. You can have <laughs> a tyrannical boss in a small business as well as a large one. Right. And so they're, they're, just, they're just that much closer to you to oppress you and to make your life shitty. Yeah. And especially if it's like a family run business, like then you got that whole dynamic in there. Like I love my family, but I would not want to be in a business with them. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, it makes it more like, like personal escapable. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. I think that can be, it's not necessarily a good thing for people. Um, like we mentioned before, the intimacy allows them maybe to wring more work out of you because, you know, there's that personal connection. Mm-hmm. They know you. I was good to you. I gave you this job, whatever. You know, it's not just like HR, right? Yeah, yeah. So we think maybe, I don't know, where do we come down on this then? Are we saying that they are better than big corporations or <laughs> not? Are they worse or is it just kind of a wash? I mean, I think it depends on the business, but I'm not going to go up to every small business owner and be like, can you tell me how you treat your employees? <laughs> because right, one, yeah, do I don't extensive. have time for that. And two, they could just lie. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, unless you're going to try to do an investigative journalism piece on every <laughs> every place you sit down at, like, tell me, off the record, how, you know, has your boss been treating you? <laughs> or, you have to go into this? No. Who Also, again, this gets back into our classroom thing. Who has time for that? No one. No one. Very, very bored people. <laughs> yeah. And you can get down, and people try to do this. They'll get granular with looking at the supply chain. Oh my God, yeah. Products, right? And you're going to find somewhere down the road that there was some place that was not run by a worker cooperative, probably, or something, you know, like that was (laughs) run with some exploitation. Yeah. Right. And if you want to get further, you know, if you want to get further into that, then, you know, are you going to interview them and see if they have a good relationship with their boss uh, at all (laughs) these particular places? No, no one's going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's insane. Like, and like coming from like the artist side, like I know a lot of small businesses that produce like very small runs of things. And it seems so fucking hard because these people are trying to do it ethically and that really limits them. Like their price point has to be really high. And even for things like, you know, like I follow a lot of plus size creators and like having to make sure that t-shirts go up large enough because if they don't like their audience is going to be really fucking pissed. Even that's hard to do. Because clothing companies like don't prioritize fat people because they don't see us as a profitable market. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a whole thing. And then not to mention trying to make those like ethically produced because like clothing is a whole 
fucking clusterfuck yeah. of sweatshops. So mm-hmm. it's a, it sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. Would not want to fuck with it. For sure. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess we we're coming down on basically it's not necessarily bad. It, like small businesses aren't necessarily worse or better. It depends on the. Yeah. Place. Depends on the place. And I, I think in general, though, they're still better. But I, I struggle with it because it's like, well, if, if you're telling me to shop small for everything, there's some t- instances where you just fucking can't. I can't get a small business iPhone. I can't get a small business, you know, computer charger. Like <laughs> You can't get an artisanally made computer charger. <laughs> I'm, if you fucking email me a Hand link crafted. for that, I will delete it. <laughs> Do not send me ethical chargers. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I... They gotta. I don't know. They probably don't exist. That's ridiculous. But yeah, you can't. You can't do it for everything. And really I guess can't. that gets to the root of what we're saying is that it's not the solution. Yeah. Right. So it it may it may alleviate some. Yeah, I'm not gonna say like you're a moron if you're <laughs> doing this. I'm not gonna even say that it's bad to do it. It's um it's useless completely to do it. Uh, I think that probably it helps you it helps a lot of people feel better like yeah alleviates kind of your anxieties about things yeah i mean i think there's instances where it can be good like if it's an individual creator you know like i know i shat on etsy a lot but (laughs) that's just they have unfair policies towards their artists but the artist still Mm. benefits some from it you know like if you want to buy individually from an artist i feel like that's great like commissions are really great like for most people that just goes directly into their pocket like that's it you know Things yeah. like Society6, though, like I can go ahead and tell you, or like Redbubble, those kind of like demand printing things, like artists get a very small chunk off of that. So I, I think you're better off to contacting them directly. Like I've done this before. Like like if someone is selling a book, I'll be like, where's the best place for me to buy this so you get the most money? Oh, <laughs> so. nice. Yeah, that's a good idea. If it, I guess if it all washes out the same to you in terms of like your price, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, and I'm able to afford that. Yeah, unless you have the means to toss extra money their way they yeah. might as well just patreon them but <laughs> yeah i mean that's also a good option is going to their coffee account or patreon whatever that may be yeah but see i guess what i'm saying is i don't want you to not shop small at all <laughs> like i still think it can be good just, just be right. careful <laughs> what if we what if we take this tech it can be good mm-hmm. on a can be good on a small scale if it's like an individual person? Yeah, for an individual person, for a particular place. If you just like like your neighborhood pizzeria or taqueria or whatever, right? <laughs> you just like that place. You want to pay? Okay, fine. We're not saying you can't do that. I like it it's called Home Run and their pizza box looks like a baseball diamond. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, no, I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with doing that or or, or anything. But... Uh, what I'm wanting to add is that it is completely and wholly not revolutionary at all. Does 0% to advance uh, the fight against or even the resistance to capitalism as a system. That's true. It almost enforces it because of that superstructure idea of like, well, if I need to support small businesses, that must mean small businesses are good, which means I should start yeah. one. <laughs> We're all potential capitalists. Yeah. Exactly. Like it supports that and it makes you feel guilty if you don't support capitalism because you're taking money away from your friend who runs that boutique. Yeah. So now if you're critical of some 
element of capitalism or regulation or something. You've mm. really got to make sure it's carefully worded so that it gives the exceptions to the places that you like. Oh right? my God, the healthcare exceptions for small business. That kills me. <laughs> yeah, because, oh, how are they going to afford it? I'm just a small town florist, you know? <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have a business. That, like, I just, that's not, that's exploitation. Yeah, you're uh, you're just a humble small town exploiter of workers. Um, yeah, at that point, you're a fucking humble sweatshop. You can't afford yeah. healthcare for your employees. It and and ultimately, our project is to decommodify that altogether. So honestly, we don't we don't want small businesses actually to have to do that either. We don't want any businesses to have to pay for their healthcare of their employees. We just want that to be paid for already. Like I mean, run it out of the general fund. National health care, that's it. Perfect. Tax them like everybody else to pay for it, sure. But it shouldn't be, you know, oh, now I'm working at this place, they now pay for my, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about that before. Yeah, but they should be held to all the same standards. Right. And yeah, it should just be a thing. Like, I'm sorry that you don't have enough resources for that, but like, you need to do that. That's like, that's non-negotiable. <laughs> yep. Uh, labor standards. That's one that is for sure. Mm. Like we have labor standards there for a reason mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that our workers, while they're being exploited, are not being exploited too badly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that shouldn't be something that has an exception for small businesses, you know, and that's something we can't really put out to the national government, I guess. But yeah. Uh, so, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before, like in some of our artist episodes and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. so would there, there wouldn't be small businesses on our communism because there's no businesses. Socialism would just be like highly regulated ones, I guess. Uh, unless you're talking like, okay, let's flesh it all out. Okay. If you have like, you know, social democracy, some sort of free mm-hmm. market that's just regulated in yeah, yeah. heavily and everything, then yeah, you're going to have small businesses. Yes. They'll um, just be nicer. <laughs> If you're talking like you've actually made it to socialism, then you're still producing everything and and running it off of like some sort of a credit system based on how you, you know, how much you've worked. If, you, if you've worked and every, everyone's getting, no one's getting mm. like ripped off that way, but you're still buying stuff. So you'd still have enterprises of a sort. Now they wouldn't be, you know, capitalist enterprises, so they wouldn't make a profit, any of them. It would just be workers getting compensated for however much they've worked instead of paid less than they're worth. Right? That makes sense. Okay. So I work and then I go to the grocery store and I just get groceries yeah. for free. And then because obviously I, I show them. them my work card, which has seven punches. There you go. Yeah. Five punches. Got... I'm going to have a five day work week. Fuck that. Four, four punches. <laughs> we've got <laughs> vouchers going on now. Our, um, I think we should call them punch cards because it's more fun. What is the better feeling than filling out a punch card of like a, like a gift? You know, like when you come back to a store. Like a coupon but yeah. on your 10th, on your 10th <laughs> yeah, exactly. coffee, you get the next one free. On your 10th, you know, on your fifth work day, you get free groceries and free everything else. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. Uh, yeah, it. collectivist anarchists. That's who we're talking about. Oh, okay, okay. They're the punch card commies. <laughs> Punch card communists. I like it. And then obviously once you go to communism, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Like in any of the, uh, with it, with any of these, like you can, you know, have this enterprise or whatever, like have the small scale, small scale business. I mean, I guess that's fine. And I guess it's fine to have a big business. Uh, um, 
in those senses. But you're not I profiting, mean, so you're basically, you're not a business, you're just a producer of something. You're a firm, yeah, you're some sort of a, a collective making things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a co-op interesting. or yeah. what have you. And they can be state-run or local-run. So probably most of the time, those kinds of services would be, I and mean, we've talked about this before too, but directed towards like greater good projects, you know, like we got to fucking run this country. So like everyone work on that. But you could also have some certain for fun stuff too, I imagine. So like if you wanted to commission a painting from somebody, for example, you could just ask them to and they could be like, no, or make me some bread. <laughs> oh, well, I guess you're getting a little commune on it's it. It's a little right? bartery. So- yeah. yeah, you don't you don't have to make it so primitive, really. And the uh, socialist thing, I mean, you can go the voucher route, or you can just straight up pay people money, and yeah. that's fine, and still have money as a currency and everything. Um, as long, basically, as long as people aren't ripped off in their wage point, then you're okay. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't see why we couldn't have luxury goods of some sort, uh, recreational things. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we need to be. Hard line about it. Spartan. Yeah, you know, yeah. we don't need to. I mean, we've said it before in terms of our uh, in terms of our episodes on art and stuff like people should have nice, good things and enjoy like culture. And mm-hmm. that's like part of our goal, you know? Yeah. Part of our goal is it, it not to kind of limit people, but to free people. Yeah. I don't want to gatekeep any of that. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to get it to where everybody has what they need right there's a a quote from marx that says the uh, realm of freedom begins where the realm of necessity ends Ooh, i love that it's very like maslow's hierarchy kind of thing yeah yeah you have to care for people's basic needs their security and their and their well-being like their their physical needs and stuff their community and stuff you build on that until you know, once you have a society where you have guarantee, you're you're, you're going to be able to eat, man. It's fine. It's yeah. good. You're going to be Can able imagine. to live in a place. <laughs> you're going to have, you know, you're going to have the right to life in terms of healthcare, in terms of, you know, all these social service, education. Like once you can provide these things outside of the market where it's not a struggle to survive, then we can start actually freeing people to do what they want to do as humans. Yeah. I've been thinking about this tweet a lot I saw that was like, think about how fucked up the phrase earn a living is. And it's been blowing Mm. my mind ever since. Like, literally, when you're born, it's like, you got to start paying rent, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) not literally, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's and not literally, but also like, if you're born to a poor family, like you're fucked, you know, and it's just so fucked. I'm just, it boggles my mind that we still have like a bajillion people going hungry and homeless and just makes no sense. Yep. Sorry, that was just a little a little rant for you. No, you're right. You're right. It does make it does make no sense. It is something that we are trying to convince people of that it's something that doesn't have to be the case. Hey, right? hey. Does it does it make no sense, but it makes sense? Oh. Oh, <laughs> kicked off the podcast. No. <laughs> All right. So, oh. small businesses, not really businesses, but enterprises in some way right Mm -hmm. groups that make shit like that's fine (laughs) yeah yeah all right there we go we did it that's what we got for small businesses you can do it (laughs) if you want you can patronize them if you want but holding them up as some sort of paragon of virtue not good don't do that not 
Not a great idea. Uh, it reinforces the capitalists when you do that. Totes. And uh, it doesn't do anything <laughs> to advance the <laughs> cause of, uh, of socialism. Or it makes you feel better and you won't get called out on Instagram. <laughs> there we go. That's about it. All right. Let's move to our holiday segment. I want to do right. a gift guide. This is mostly a joke. <laughs> First <laughs> okay. off, let me say the that. Gift guide. All right. What do you mean? Uh, this is how to shop for the leftist in your life. And I have categories. Okay. All right. I'm eager to see. Okay. What are we? Uh, so I guess this is presumably for people who aren't shopping small and are hitting up like <laughs> Black, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday <laughs> sales. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of small businesses can have those too, I guess. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I always just order things like a loser. Yeah. Basically we have a family Christmas spreadsheet and most of that is just Amazon links. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. We're terrible. Whatever. Okay. Real quick. (laughs) I know I said (laughs) we were done with the other segment. I always struggle with the Amazon thing because it's like me personally, I'm not going to take down Amazon, you know, like me not buying a fucking phone charger. I don't know why I always mm-hmm. go to phone chargers because I always lose them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to buy like eight this year. No, I'm not even kidding. I've had the same phone charger for a long time. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I bought some cheap ones that used to be a good brand, but then they started like they made a burning smell. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> throw yeah. them all out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway me not buying something from amazon is not going to bring down amazon and that's just another futility feeling that i have about it so yeah that's true that's true it doesn't make you in the aggregate i guess it ends up mattering but there's is, there's no way that individual choices like that are really going to change the. it'd have to be a mass scale and i just don't see that changing anytime soon it's the same it's the same thing that people get into with voting and stuff yeah. All right. Anyway, let's move on to more fun stuff. <laughs> All right. Tell us about our gift guide. Okay. So first up, we have your classic leftist witch. Leftist witch. Okay. Yes. We have our communist tarot card reading. I don't know any. I don't know a ton of about which craft. <laughs> yes. Witchery. Yes. Perfect. Uh, you guessed the first <laughs> item on the list, which is tarot cards. We always want tarot cards. Give us tarot cards. <laughs> All right. Hey, cool. Yeah. Uh, I just bought one from the artist Tilly Walden, and it's beautiful. Mm. And it has gendered terms, but like the people in them look fairly androgynous. Like It's one of those decks where like you look at it and you're like, this guy could be gay. You know, like, <laughs> everyone yeah. there looks like they could be queer, so it makes me happy. Awesome. That's cool. I also found this site, I think it's, I don't know, I'm sure how to pronounce it, but assilyearthwork.com. That's A-S-A-L-I-E, earthwork.com. And they have mm-hmm. like tarot card listings and they have a collection that's like all queer trans people of color. So like you can go go support those small businesses. But cool. I also think that's important because like when I was looking for a deck, I wanted something that I could relate to. And I think just the traditional deck is pretty European. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's like the like playing card figures of like the king, the whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, man, you really don't know anything, huh? Nope. <laughs> it's called the Rider Wraith deck or Wraith. I don't know how to pronounce it. But um, yeah, you would recognize it if you saw it. Okay. Probably. <laughs> I actually don't know if you would. 
Uh, I don't know. The only one I ever see is in like TV shows. Is like, oh, you got death. It's the death card. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the one. All right. Uh, I would also recommend a book. It's called Enchantments by Maya Spalter. Uh, Maya right. is spelled M-Y-A. So maybe it's Mia. I don't know. Oh, Mia. Anyway, my bestie got me this book. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a super beginner, witchy kind of folk. And all I really do is put cute shit together and say, this is what I'm going to think about today. And that's that's how you make an altar, people. <laughs> it's pretty Does great. It, what does it do? It's like you just put different things together and like things can have symbolism. Like orange is supposed to be good for this. And like, I mostly just put whatever I like together. Like I'm working mm-hmm. on a book. So I have this, I'll show you. I have this mini wooden book thing and it has a light in the middle. Oh, yeah, so yeah, the book I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, well, that's kind of symbolic. So <laughs> I just like leave it out on my desk for me to like just be near it. It's stupid and I like it. That's okay. Stupid question coming up. So is this, yeah, what's up? Uh, is this supposed to influence you or like your environment too? Like, can you put an altar get- together to be like, I want to get a raise at work or like, uh, yeah. I want to have, you know, you know, I want something else to help it happen externally, not just like in like you yourself. Yeah, you totally can. And the book goes over things like that. So. so can you put one together that's like, fuck this person. I want them to fall and break an arm or something. I mean, you can. The book does not go into that because they're like, don't uh, do that. That's mean. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, I'm <laughs> agnostic, so I'm not actually that. In- I just think it's fun, you know? Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Next up. Got if you have a militant leftist in your life. <laughs> Ooh. All right. We all know one of these. You know, hopefully. I think like. The go-to's got to be black clothing, right? Like leather? No, just like, well, or if you're like, going to like riots and shit, they want like black long sleeve t-shirts, you know, yeah, and like okay. a beanie, mm-hmm. you know, Throw stuff some like red that. in there too. A little bit of red, yeah, for some flair. Let them know you're not just, just an anarchist. Although if you're just an anarchist, <laughs> just give them just the black and the white. But Yeah, that works too. <laughs> um, I just wrote maybe a gun or a gun range membership. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Oh, so you'd want to sign them up with the Socialist Rifle Association. <gasps> yeah, you could do that. You know, there you go. Wanna, um, that way, and this is interesting, actually, because I, I listened to some episode of theirs on their on their podcast. Who? The Socialist Rifle Association. Oh, okay. okay. And they were talking about how one of the things that they strive for is to create kind of a, a welcoming environment for leftists who are into gun culture. Oh, I remember reading about this, yeah. It's like way different. Like, you know, I mean, if you think about it, stereotypically, when you think of people who are going to gun range, you're thinking right wing. <laughs> yeah, thinking yeah. White conservative men. Yeah. Right. And so uh, people of color, uh, non-cis people, like, you know, ev- everybody mm-hmm. who doesn't really conform with that is, you know, this is a better, a better environment for them to get to go to the gun range together with other like-minded people and stuff and feel safer in that. That's true. That's nice. Yeah. I feel like a lot of like militant leftists are also into survival gear, so you probably could get them something like that. Oh, survive uh, like tactical survival gear or something. Yeah, like or a bow and arrow or something a cool like backpack. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some be cool. some drums for their bags of rice. You know, they can. Yeah, they have plenty of good gorilla equipment. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and finally, I, I did definitely look up Antifa on Etsy, so I've moved up on the watch list. So. That's fun. But there are some cool flags. <laughs> you literally tell, you know, advocate communism, which I is, know. as we all know, is illegal in the United States. So. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. Let's get to my people, the queer <laughs> commies. There's some really cool luxury gay space communism merch out there. 
Lots oh. of like NASA ripoff shirts, which I love. Awesome. <laughs> so if someone wants to get me that, I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting it on your list now. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, probably anything from the witch category. A lot of queer people like witchy stuff. So like, I'm just getting them a crystal or whatever. <laughs> that's like a, a Venn diagram with a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm, I would say okay. so at least. Maybe that's just my circles. Uh, enamel pins. We love a good pin. <laughs> Can't help yeah. it. All yeah. Right. And, oh, I have another book, Gender Queer by Maya Kobe. Mm-hmm. So this is the book that cracked my egg. Do you know what that term means? Mm. I mean, <laughs> no, it sounds like some sort of a breakthrough or revelation or something. Yeah, basically. It's like a pe- term that trans people use, like when they realize like, oh man, like I'm trans. Okay. So... Anyway, so this is the book that did that for me. I remember what's great is I read it and I was like, no, I don't relate to this. I'm fine. And then I read it a few months later and I was like, oh, no, I relate to most of this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sit with it. It's very good. It's beautiful yeah. illustrations, just gorgeous comic work. So recommend. Awesome. So I also wanted to include marginalized communities. Now is a great time to make a donation to like a food bank or food pantry. Um, mm-hmm. Some places have like those little like uh, community pantries that are just like up in your neighborhood. Like those are really cool. Like sometimes they have like books you can like give and take and stuff. So Mm -hmm. consider doing something like that or mutualaidhub.org is another great place to find a local mutual aid fund in your area. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lots of folks out there in need, especially with the pandemic going on and everything. It's uh, an unemployment running out. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck guys? Congress is on vacation now. So, it's great. This Good is country. a way for you to do what your bourgeois government will not do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go to our last section, which is for the nerds in your life, like us. Nerds. Yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> I'm in that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we could also add D&D stuff to this so that I fit into it more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can get us some books. Let's talk about some books that we like. All right. I'll start. I mentioned this one last week on the podcast, but Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. Really good book. Um, There's some parts I didn't like, like she needlessly took a stab at Bernie Sanders in the introduction. And I was like... In the introduction? Wow. Not a good way to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to really grip my teeth to keep going there. But, um, but there's some really interesting stories in it, like... Mm -hmm. I particularly love the chapter on workers' rights because you're like, yeah, workers' rights, those are great, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, a lot of those don't actually account for, like, the, like, requirements of women. So when you look at safety equipment, a lot of it is oversized for women, and that's very dangerous. So, like, loose sleeves can get caught in things. Like, boots, if they're too big, you can trip. Like, there's just so many Mm -hmm. issues with that. So, like, very good book so far. I haven't finished it yet. But I really enjoy it. Lots of work talk about unpaid labor, too, which I'm very uh, passionate about. So, yeah. Yeah. The research that we were doing for our last episode makes me think of the intersectionality of that and everything. For sure. All right. Your turn. My turn. Obviously, if you ask a leftist online (laughs) what you should be reading, you've made a mistake. But (laughs) First off, I'm sorry. The reply you're going to get, uh, probably your top reply will be, read, go read some theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go read Marx and Engels. And honestly, that's, I mean, it's not a bad idea. Like, it's hard. It's not, it's annoying to try to read. Yeah. 
plus or minus instead yeah yeah we'll have to get into some more readings we should take this off the list take this one off (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) um but uh, yeah any you know any of that good pre-reading for when we get around to it you know plus or minus anybody who fits your particular stripe you know you want to toss in lennon there you want to toss in mal there it's up to you, man. I mean, some people will be like, don't list, don't read that. It's a revisionist trash or whatever. You know, who cares? Do you. <laughs> you do you. Read it. Figure out if you like it. Blah. Draw your own conclusions. Can that not be my real recommendation, though? I don't want that to count as a recommendation. Okay, like, that's you fine. You should do it, I guess, but I'm not making it like a hard go do yeah. this. Well, if you do want to find it for free, Marxists.org is a great resource. Ton of free yeah. shit on there. Yeah, for sure. But I would recommend as a primer to especially either uh, American listeners or because you guys have a lot of kind of de- unlearning to do <laughs> if you came from public schools or from our normal <laughs> education system. You have a lot of unlearning to do if you didn't get a lot of American history and stuff in, in college uh, or for just anybody interested on getting a real uh, a real critical look at American history would be A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. That's a good one. I read the first bit on audiobook. I don't remember how far I got. It was good, though. <laughs> I just didn't finish it. Yeah, audiobook is how I got through it, too. It's a, it's a, really, good, um, it's a really good read slash listen and will break through a lot of the myths that America kind of presents as its history. Nice. So, yeah, that's my first real one. Besides okay. theory, of course. <laughs> you have to. If you don't, they kick you out. Yeah. They kick you out of the leftist <laughs> club. All right. My next rec, I've also mentioned this on the podcast before, is Marriage, a History by Stephanie Kuntz. Very good. Again, lots of intersectionality in there, just talking about the commodification of women and mm-hmm. labor and just how that got all weird. <laughs> so it's interesting. Awesome. Uh, let's see a couple of other ones I wanted to recommend. This was kind of a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually will probably revisit this sometime over the holidays. Cause I read this years ago. Um, but it's a pair of books about the Vietnam war. Okay. Um, and it's not particularly leftist in the sense of, you know, I guess directly advocating for, for communism or socialism or anything, but it's kind of a, I think it's anti-imperialist in nice. um, in what they present. Uh, one is called No Other Road to Take, uh, a memoir of Mrs. Nguyen Thi Din. Mm-hmm. And it's from the perspective of someone who was fighting in the, in, I believe they were in the Viet Cong specifically. So in the sa- South Vietnam's uh, guerrilla movement against that government. Okay. And the reason I guess that I find that one so interesting is because you don't really get that perspective. Ever. Yeah, no, definitely not. When you're studying about, you know, the history of the Vietnam War or anything, it's always like, well, what did this look like from the point of view of America, right? And yeah. even with the anti-war movement and stuff, even those accounts are still focusing on the cost to Americans, whereas this yeah, is more sure. focused, you know, on what it looked like for Vietnamese people there. Yeah. Uh, the other book that is in a similar vein is called The Sorrows of War by Bao Nin. Mm-hmm. And this one uh, is uh, from the point of view of a North Vietnamese soldier. All right. But okay. it's, uh, it's very, mm, it's very negative. It's very anti-war. Mm, okay. Right? And uh, in fact, like the Vietnamese government was even like resistant to let this book be published. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think they have any like censorship on it now or anything. But they at the, earlier on, they were kind of against it and stuff um, because it you know it was it wasn't patriotic. It wasn't. It didn't buy into you know kind of the story that is sold about war and everything is that this is this glorious struggle. Blah blah blah. It was just about the sufferings of some human being in that. And I think that that's kind of a that's a good perspective that I think can get lost, especially if we, I think you're good about it. But when we get into kind of revolutionary stuff, you're kind of like, yeah, but that's scary, right? <laughs> I'm good at being a weenie. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, it's, it's good for leftists to, to read about and make central to our mm, ideas about uh, anti-imperialism. Yeah. Right. That we, we're doing this not just because it's, you know, we don't like America or we don't like the West or whatever. We're doing this because it's saving people's lives and saving people from suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important point. It's not just because we love to be angry. <laughs> right. Although yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My next one is one we've been reading together this year, which is Open Veins of Latin America by Eduardo Galliano. Yeah. I'm almost finished with mine. I know. We t- <laughs> on the last section... Uh, my review of this is it's really good until you get to the last section. Cause it's just all inscrutable 1970s economics, which I just can't even like, I will read the same sentence over and over again, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the rest of that is really good. Yeah. We'll be talking about that and, and doing an episode on it. It'll be cool. If you want to do some pre-reading on that, be a nerd. Yeah. Check that out. It's really good. It really, it opened my eyes to a lot of the horrors of imperialism. So yeah. Uh, all right. My next one is a little shout out to our anarchist listeners here. There we go. It's called In Defense of Anarchism. I wonder what that one's about. <laughs> it's by Robert Paul Wolf. Uh, and it's been a while since I've read this one too. But it's I was uh, liberal when I read this. <laughs> mm, how'd that go down? And it was very insightful. I was just like, whoa, like this does kind of make logical sense and i don't think that it really makes a it doesn't make a leftist appeal that's -hmm. something you kind of have to graft on to it um but so if you're coming at this from like maybe a right-wing perspective it may just drive you to like anarcho-capitalism i don't know but if you are coming at this from a a left-leaning perspective you can start to see how like anarcho-communism or anarcho-syndicalism or something where you have this sort of decentralized society could be a really good thing in terms of what we were saying in terms of people's freedom, right? Yeah. Now, our our cause, of course, is concerned with making sure we end that realm of necessity before getting there. But I guess it helps us to kind of center things on people's right to govern themselves, right? To make mm-hmm. decisions for themselves. Interesting. So maybe don't give this to, like, just anybody. No, <laughs> Make yeah, sure they won't go the wrong way with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you can take this into a, you know, don't tread on me direction if you want. Oof, if you're, oh, God. Oh, you know, a shithead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last recommendation is a fiction book, and it is Autonomous by Annalee Newitz. Ooh. And I read this early this year, mm-hmm. and it was really good. It has a lot of like class commentary on it. It's about like artificial intelligence and like autonomy, obviously. And Mm -hmm. it's really cool. There's like direct language about like selling your body for labor. Very interesting. Awesome. That sounds kind of cool to explore in kind of a sci-fi sci-fi sort of setting. Uh, Before I get to my last pick, uh, one thing I did want to kind of add um, about defensive anarchism by Robert Paul Wolf uh, is that 
when Wolf wrote this book and everything, it did receive some like praise from the political right, like I was saying. That was very much to his surprise. He was trying (laughs) to be very critical of uh, capitalist social relations, private markets, the economy. He thinks like liberalism and you know, conservative or free market stuff is, is kind of bullshit in that way. Yeah. So he, he was against that and he was kind of like, what the hell? Why are you getting oh, this from a book? So that sucks. just wanted to make sure I'm not like bringing this guy down. Cause that's not him. He wrote a good book. <laughs> it's not his fault. <laughs> you should read it if you're leftist, but people run with it in a different direction sometimes. Ugh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> My uh, last recommendation is uh, by, an author named Kim Stanley Robinson. And this is something that I actually want to read. I have not read it yet, uh, but it's his Mars trilogy. Mm -hmm. And so it's got, it's supposed to have a lot of good, interesting themes there. Uh, It explores alternatives to modern capitalism. He kind of presents capitalism as an outgrowth of of feudalism. So similar kind of Marx, uh, Marxist uh, class analysis there. Uh, And he kind of presents workable basically socialist or worker owned alternatives to that. And so it's, it's got this like theme of egalitarianism and theme of ecology as well, like ecological sustainability. I'm really, I've been curious about this for a while. It's something that I do want to check out. So listeners, you can get a head start on it. Nice. If you want. That it's sci-fi really good. also. So wonderful. You know, what's funny is what's funny is I was looking up that last one. I mentioned autonomous and mm-hmm. Kim Stanley Robinson had written like a, What's it called? Like a review for it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they're buds. They're book buds. Awesome. Those tie in together then. (laughs) All right. I think that wraps it up. All right. So next time, do you want to know what's next on our agenda? Yeah. I lost my syllabus at the bottom of my backpack. So that's okay. Tell me. Email you another one. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'll bookmark it. Um, We're we're all paperless now. The uh, next thing we're going to learn about is the Black Panther Party. Nice. Yeah, this is going to, I think this is going to end up being kind of an overview. We'll, you know, talk about some of the the main leaders involved, the party's ideology, goals, and structure, and the activities of the Black Panther Party and how they fit into into the kind of overall history of leftism in America. Yeah, because I mean, that's a big topic. So this will be one of those where every five minutes we're like, oh, this is going to be another episode. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, I'm excited to learn about that. And I hope you all are too. And in the meantime, uh, what you can do with that excitement is show us some love online. So we are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can send us an email, teachmecommunism at gmail.com. If you want to send us your own cool book request or movie request, stuff like that, suggestions for an episode, anything, questions compliments yeah com- mainly compliments i mean mostly compliments please please put a compliment in the subject line <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh if you want to give us even more compliments in, in a public fashion actually yeah make sure yeah you can email us a compliment but mostly put us compliments put compliments <laughs> for us on uh apple podcasts yeah we love those more yeah sorry <laughs> sorry email complimenters <laughs> I love the email ones, though. They're also personal. So they are those. really sweet. Yeah. Do both. Do both. Por que no los dos. All right. Do both. And give us a review, rating, etc. Oh, we also are on YouTube, if that's your preferred method. 
just look us up on there. And then we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash teach me communism. At the end of the year, we will be donating those funds to a local mutual aid fund. So that'll be good. Support your, your Dallas buddies here. Heck yeah. And what you get with Patreon, $5 a month, you get access to our notes for each episode. So you can see what we wrote up. Yeah, that's uh, all good stuff. You should do. You should do check out those. those notes. Yeah, do do everything that we just mentioned. It's <laughs> your homework. Great listeners, great students. Uh, speaking of which, thanks for bringing a great student today, a great co-host, I guess, because we kind of both bounced all this off. It wasn't just yeah. a, hey, Christine, here are small businesses. <laughs> you know? Well, that's what you get to do next week. You get to teach me. All right, back to the the student desk. Back yeah. to the chalkboard. Those desks aren't comfortable with the little metal thing in there. Like if you got some a tummy on you, man, that is not comfy. Yeah, they're they're not great for for different body shapes. Or lefties. I'm I'm a lefty, so both ideologically <laughs> and with my hand. <laughs> <laughs> they're not great for leftists. Yeah, uh, probably not. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, um, listeners, you guys can tune in next week for another episode of Teach Me Communism where the class struggle is always in session. All right, bye. Bye.